streets of Cincinnati. Welcome to the jungle! This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of maybe the number five team in the country. We'll find out tonight. But good thing is the Bearcat basketball starts tonight. I'm excited about it. It's on ESPN+. Plus. So hopefully you have ESPN Plus and you can watch it at 7 o'clock tonight. Now do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,416 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. And as always, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, do me a favor. Go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for notifications. And every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also exclusively in the YouTube chat, we're doing Super Chat. So if you want to support what I'm doing or make sure your comment gets gets Red, please give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. Now I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. 
T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, I got Jeff Carr from Locked on Reds and from all Bearcats, but we got a little bit of Bengals news. I want to get to you real quick before I bring him in here. The Bengals have placed Akeem Davis-Gaither on IR. He suffered a foot injury on Sunday. The team also placed uh, kick returner Brandon Wilson on IR. He injured his knee and got carted off the field on Sunday. So the Bengals made a move today. They acquired Clay Johnston from waivers today by off the Panthers. Uh, Johnson is in the second year. He's a linebacker and he has 11 tackles in eight career games. He will most likely be on special teams for the Bengals. But as everybody's talking about in the chat, that the college football rankings are coming out tonight. We'll see what happens. We also have the Reds who really haven't given us a whole lot to talk about all in the offseason, but one of the greatest guys to bring on to talk about the Reds and with his new job at All Bearcats is Jeff Carr. Jeff, what's going on, man? Jeff, how you doing, sir? Good, man. Good. So, like I said before we started the show, you got you got some new new jobs. So I figured I'd let you uh, tell everybody what, what you're doing right now. Yeah, man. Uh, James Rapine just started a brand new sports illustrated website, all bearcats.com. And I'm writing with him and, uh, with Russ Heltman and we're, we're getting it going. Just, uh, been writing about this Bearcats team that on the football side of things has been treading water kind of yeah. feels like, um, they're still undefeated. And I think that that should count for something, but the problem is in the eyes of the committee, that's, uh, well, they get to choose and it's not yeah. really so much what the Bearcats do as to how good they look doing it. Exactly. So that's what ifs. but yeah, doing that. And then, uh, working with locked on, getting a chance to kind of help grow the locked on MLB channel, all of our different locked on MLB podcasts. They've got a podcast for every single team right now. It's uh, if you want to listen to a rival and you want to figure out what's going on with the Cardinals, God love you. Okay. Um, if you want to see how happy the Cubs are you for getting Wade Miley, you yeah. can go check out Locked On Cubs and then also Locked On Reds as well. You, you can also check out Locked On Tigers. <sighs> That's where Tucker Barnhart's at. <laughs> exactly. See Tucker's yeah. new digs. So yeah, exactly. I think he's wearing number 15 too. I saw that. that that's oh, really? pretty cool. Didn't know yeah. that. That's cool. All right. Well, let's get into the the the, the more interesting, fun topic, the, the Bearcats. Yes. Uh, we got the basketball team playing tonight, but let's get into – what possibly could happen tonight in the college football rankings? I know the Bearcats didn't do it in in, in, in great style, as we have to have, we have to have style points uh, to beat every team we play. Like I said, we are I think we were held to a higher standard than anybody else because um, Alabama barely beat LSU, but they're probably gonna be number two still. Uh, my opinion is top two are gonna be the same. I think they're just moving Ohio State up. And they're going to move UC to five. At least that's what I'm hoping, unless they decide to jump Oklahoma over us. But uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts there, Jeff? Honestly, and I don't mean to sound like a pessimist on this, I think Oklahoma does jump the Bearcats, and the Bearcats remain at number six. The uh, You're totally right. The, the Bearcats are held to a completely different standard than everybody in front of them and most of the teams behind them, too. I mean, Oklahoma has looked pretty ragged. Mm-hmm. Even though they're undefeated, they they have won some games that they were trailing for long periods of time against teams that they were heavily favored against. Yeah. So for 
the committee to really harp on the Bearcats small wins over Tulsa and Navy and just the annoyingness that that brings to us Bearcats fans we have to understand this is called the college football playoff but it's really the college football invitational yeah it's a power five invitational that's pretty much what it is I mean because I even give it to, to Chad Brendel he I was listening to the Bearcat uh, bounce podcast and he even brought up a good point which he's right the college football playoff structure was designed by the Power Five schools, <laughs> so I mean, it's made to keep us out. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is, and and it's going to change once we get to the Big Twelve. And people, some people ask me, you're like, well, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, do you think they'll still keep the uh, Big Twelve as as a, a Power Five? Absolutely, yes. Because honestly, if the teams that are supposed to go to the Big Twelve right now, there's more ranked teams that are not in the Big Twelve that are supposed to be in eventually. That then are in it right now. So yes, I think we're we're gonna be we're gonna be fine. I think it's gonna be nice and it's gonna be nice for us. We're gonna if we can go there and we can oh hell if we can go there and dominate like we had this year, we got we got a straight path right right to the college football playoffs every year. That's what that's where this is what's gonna happen in my, my opinion because the SEC is so big and now Texas and Oklahoma are going there. You're not going to have four SEC teams. If you do, nobody will ever watch it. It'll completely tick everybody off. They're going right. to expand. They have to expand because they have to let more SEC teams in. They have to have some reason to do it. Now, I know this is coming. Now, I've heard between somewhere between six, eight, and then 12 teams. I'm okay with the eight. I like eight because you can go with the Power Five, and whoever wins their championship game is what I'm putting on. So you put the emphasis on the championship game so they all don't lose their, their title games. Whoever wins that, they're in. So, so you got five of them that are automatically in. Then you take the best for the, the the group of five that that, and then you have two wild cards. So you get you get some more SEC, probably two SEC teams. But that's, I think that's the best best case scenario. I think twelve is a little bit too too much. But what what's your what's your th- thoughts on that? I I do like the expansion idea. Um, twelve does seem like a lot, and I know that. With college football especially, they try to kind of bump the sanctity of the regular season schedule. So it's, I don't know, and I think I heard that 12 is probably what they're working toward. I think I agree with you that eight is the right uh, number, and there should be a spot, a automatic qualifier, if you're thinking about the NCAA basketball tournament, for the best group of five school. I mean, the the Bearcats are the latest in a long line of really good non-Power 5 schools that have had amazing football seasons who get completely pushed aside. Now, the Bearcats are at least close enough that they're not being an afterthought, and they're right right there on the fringes so that if chaos like this past Saturday almost happened and LSU Mm -hmm. beats Alabama, if that quarterback could have hit the water if he fell out of a boat, they would have beat him. That Um, close. Gosh, that (laughs) I was. Well, I mean, watching, I mean, I, I mean, that I mean Oregon, <laughs> Oregon struggled against Washington. So yeah. I mean, it wasn't like they all had dominating performances, but that's not going to count as much as. Well, I'll, I'll give it to Tulsa. We we that game was frustrating because I'll give it to Jim Kelly. He said this on the broadcast: the Bearcats won the first quarter and they won the third quarter. Tulsa won the second and the fourth. And what killed me and when we come out of the, of the first half, we go right down the field and score like it's nothing. It's like. Why can't we do that? Which you know, and I wonder if if the pressure, and this is what I've I've said too, is I know our 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 schedule is nowhere close to an SEC team or anything like that. I understand that. But the pressure that the Bearcats are under 
to be absolutely perfect. They have to be perfect in every aspect. And they've already won every game, a regular season game last year. They've won every regular season game up to this point this year. I know you're not supposed to count that stuff. Right. But I don't care what league you're in. That's hard to do, along with the pressure of, oh, my God, we can't screw this up. Oh, my God, we, you know, we got we to gotta win by 50. That's To me, that's, that's the same kind of pressure as playing an SEC uh uh, schedule not not competition wise but the pressure and and jeff that's why i i've thought about this because when the initial college football rankings came out i knew what was going to happen and yet i still allow myself to be really annoyed by it and really yeah, upset by it and, and so after i slept on it i thought i'm like you know what i'm not gonna let a bunch of old dudes that are just picking the best and most expensive college football team they can think of to make the playoff. I'm not going to let a bunch of old dudes sitting in some kind of boardroom ruin my enjoyment of this Bearcats team. And yeah, you do worry about these close wins and the fact that Tulsa, it really, in my, from where I was sitting in the stadium, it really looked like Tulsa's offensive line and defensive line just dominated that game all, all to, you, that, to that fourth quarter uh stand the goal line stand yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. We could, dude they had that big boy that big running back we could not stop him no that, moving forward that scares me i don't know what's yes. going on with the run defense I, and i agree and i think that yeah i mean you look at their schedule ahead and all those teams have to do is run the football like you mm-hmm. just gotta keep away from des ritter and you gotta keep the clock running and just pound that defensive line. Plus, the other thing that I noticed that Tulsa did was they isolated my Jay Sanders. My Jay Sanders was much faster than the right tackle he was facing, but the right tackle would usher him to the outside and just let him run a nice big round circle around their quarterback. And then if he tried to cut inside from the snap, they would double team him with the right guard. And they basically dared anybody else on that defensive line to beat them. And because of that, they were able to control the line of scrimmage. So I think that the other teams are going to take that tape and they are going to do whatever they can to make sure that they can replicate that success that Tulsa had. So the Bearcats are going to have to get creative with the way that they pressure other teams' quarterbacks because I don't care how bad an arm you have. In college football, if you've got 10 seconds to throw the ball, right. you're going to find somebody. Yeah, exactly. And that, that that's what the, the Bearcats have got to clean up. And And, and – I'm. I have to. And this is one thing I, I I can't stand about this season. I'm having so much fun watching them, but I'm getting mad after we win. And I'm like, right. you, you, because I'm like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna keep us out. And I, I've got to get to the point. Where I'm I'm trying to get get myself. And I think all Bearcat fans need to get get to this point because it doesn't matter what we do. I don't think they're gonna let us in no matter what. I, I've said that. I mean, I've said that from the beginning. I keep saying it, but I still want to get in. We need to be able to enjoy this. Because the two years we had with Brian Kelly, we went to the Orange Bowl and Sugar Bowl, were awesome. They were the funnest times I had uh, being a Bearcat football fan. I mean, I went to the the pit game when they they clinched the Big East. You know, a bit, uh, 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 Pike to Bins. I was at that game. It was one of the funnest games I've ever been to. We need to get back to that. Just enjoying it because we're gonna drive ourselves nuts. I'm driving my own self nuts with this getting ticked off about a win. I'm like, we're winning, and. and I have to tell you the story of, 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 of me watching, trying to watch the Bearcat game Saturday night. Well, obviously it was at three o'clock. I didn't know that at the time we bought uh, Cyclones tickets. So Cyclones game starts at seven o'clock and I'm sitting there thinking like, Oh, I'll be able to watch, you know, most of them I'm like, Oh crap. No, it's like second. It's not in the second half and I got to leave. I'm like, Oh man. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm driving. I'm, I'm listening to it. And I go pick my son and my daughter-in-law up. 
And I was like, all right, we got time. So we run their house and watch a little bit of it. I was like, oh, crap, we got to go. All right, so we, get, we got to go down there, get our seats and everything. So I got it on my phone. I'm watching it on my phone. I saw, I see the first goal line stand. I'm like, okay, all right, I think we're going to win. Then all of a sudden, the internet went out. I'm like, crap. Like, okay, I can't watch it. Like, so I'm getting on iHeartRadio to listen to Dan Horde, and it, the crowd was so loud. I was having the phone up to my ear to try to hear what Dan Horde was saying. You know, they got, they, they got the first, they, they stopped on first down, stopped on second down, stopped on third down, getting the fourth down. I'm like, all right, what's going on? And all of a sudden, internet goes out again. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what happened? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> my, my daughter-in-law goes, that guy up there has a phone. I run up there. I was like, are you watching the Bearcat game? Yeah. What happened? Hi, I'm Jeff. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I was stressing out, and, and they were. It was just to win the game. I mean, it was. I mean, I was irritated that it came down to that. But oh my goodness, that, it was stressful just <laughs> just trying to watch Man, the game there. I, I I tell you, my my seats are where I sit are on the goal line right there where it happened, and Ooh. probably about I think we're about sixteen rows back or something. I just keep watching. I'm like. I was incredulous whenever the quarterback went into the slide because, as you know, in any football game, if a quarterback slides feet first, it's where he begins his slide. And if he doesn't do that, if he literally, like, trips over his own shoelaces and falls forward, he scores a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But he slid. And it was like, okay. Thank you. And then, Thank you. And then the fumble <laughs> into the end zone, I was just – I yeah, don't know, man. I, was... I had to watch. Like I said, I heard that, or I, I didn't actually. I didn't even hear it, or 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 watch. I was running to the stairs, and the guy said they won, and I'm like, oh, okay. So later on, I watched it, and I'm like, people are like, well, he broke the plane of the goal. I was like, he never had control of that ball. Right. If he had control of the ball for a second, it's over. And that's like we got out by that much. I mean, if if Tulsa's quarterback, <laughs> like you said, falls forward, it it's over. If he scores, it's. I mean, it was. It should have never came down to that. It was, no. uh, I, like I said, I, it was the tale of two different quarters. I mean, like I said, first and second, third and fourth were, were, were split either way. It was very, very stressful <laughs> to watch. I, I, I totally agree. And, and you talk about how loud the stadium was. It was always this energy. And, and the fans and, and the student section and everybody did such a great job of being loud, but it felt like for much of the fourth quarter, it was, all right, let's right. be loud. All right. Oh, right. Exactly. All right. Let's be loud again. And you just, Oh boy. <laughs> but I, I had a blast. I did. I did go down Saturday for, for game day. I didn't get down there at five o'clock in the morning. We got down there about eight. So we were in the back and I really couldn't see anything, but we could hear, hear some stuff. I was kind of surprised that they didn't have speakers farther back so we could hear what was going because i honestly i didn't even know luke fickle was on the stage i was yeah. standing there had no clue he was even there you know every time the, the camera went by i had a sign like ah, i'm trying to get it up yeah i had my sports strawberry sign i'm trying to put that up there and get on there but it, that atmosphere was awesome and i think it's cool that espn said it over and over and over again this is one of the best college venues they've ever been to and oh, that, yeah. that that bodes well for Cincinnati of how how much the fan base is behind this team I got the chance to go down as well. And we were, we got there right before the show started. It was uh, not something we were going to ever get close to. And I was talking to some different people and they're like, yeah, been here since midnight. I've been camping out. I'm like, oh, well, I was never going to get close Ooh. then. But it was kind of cool to walk around and see the behind the scenes stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we stood, um, not, you know, obviously behind the stage is what's on TV. We were standing behind where the cameras were. And so we could look straight on at the stage and see everything that was going on. And, um, you know, I, 
I saw David Pollock get up and walk around during the break. And I'm, I nudge my buddy. I'm just like, should I yell out? Hey, screw Ruben drones. Uh, but I did. <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> but you know, stuff like that. It was, it, it was cool to get to witness that. And the fact that UC gets featured and there was so much that was about the college and about the team that I'm sure the only thing that national fans and fans of Alabama and fans of, of Clemson or Georgia or, or Oregon the only thing that they know about Cincinnati is it's this little plucky little group of five team that's trying to get into the college football playoff right. and we're way more than that yeah exactly and, and where they put it right there and make his comments was was perfect I, I think it was yes. it was great because the one of the coolest things if 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 you guys watch the show have never been to the University of Cincinnati campus the football stadium is literally in the middle of campus and I don't know of any other college I'm sure there is I just don't know of any that has that everybody has them Farther out, you know, they're they're huge campuses. I mean, UC is getting bigger. It's not as big as like Ohio State. Like Ohio State, they got their own freaking town. But right. it is that is one of the the coolest things. And I'll say this, I'll forever say this: Nip at Night is one of the coolest college venues ever. Oh yeah, especially and I, I forget is um, senior is senior night. Is it actually going to be a night game? Because I know it's a blackout. I don't know. I have, I have not heard yet. Cause that's always my favorite. Like nip at night is awesome, but when you combine it with a blackout, it's just, it's yes. epic. Oh, it's awesome. It yeah. just, it just brings you there. Now we got there brings it here. He says is the Bearcat basketball game on TV. Yes, it is on ESPN plus. So if you have that, you can watch it. So it'd be the first game of the West M- Miller era. For, I don't know a whole lot about the basketball team. I'll, I'll be honest. It's kind of hard to, 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 read stuff or see stuff that's going on. I mean, not all Bearcats is uh, cranking up. Maybe we guys get some more content so we can uh, find out more stuff about the basketball team. But as far as I know, I think it's going to be a really big team. Um, I'm not sure we're going to be going, you know, uh, full press the whole time. I don't, I don't, I think we're too big for that. What, what's, what, what have you heard about the basketball team? It's going to be interesting because Wes Miller uh, is a very aggressive offensive coach is what I've heard. Um mm-hmm more so than John Brandon and not necessarily in the vein of like playing, you know, hard nosed defense, although I'm sure they're going to play some pretty good defense Mm -hmm. because he's an all around decent coach from where his background has led him. I've never known a coach and I've gotten the chance to cover a couple of different college basketball teams, got to travel with Tennessee state back in 2015. Nobody would know anything about Tennessee state because they literally won two games that year, but that was kind of fun from a personal (laughs) perspective, getting to travel around to different colleges and stuff. Um, But when you, when you talk about a team, a coach winning the off season, Mm -hmm. Wes Miller couldn't have done anything better than he did before the actual first tip off of this game. I mean, he got to bring some guys back, some guys who looked like they were gone. They were transferring and out of here. He brought them back. He got some really solid transfers and some really solid recruits coming into this team. So it's still a lot of what is the system actually going to look like? That's going to be a huge thing that I look for in tonight's game And, and make no mistake about it. Evansville, the aces, one of the better name or one of the better nicknames in college sports. <laughs> right. Um, Evansville is a sneaky team. The Missouri Valley conference is full mm-hmm. of talented mid-major schools who always get those first day upsets on the college basketball tournament. So I look at Evansville and I'm saying this nine point 
line, the nine point spread that Vegas has the Bearcats favored at, I think is a bit of a miss, uh, a bit of a miscommunication or miscalculation. That's right. Um, when I look at this game and I'm a little leery of it because the Bearcats could blow them out or they could get upset by an Evansville team that is very plucky in the way that they play a lot of great defense and rebounding schemes that they've always ran with. Yeah. With the Bearcats, that's the thing is, is I'm, uh, most interested to see tonight, like you said, is to see what kind of team we have. What I mean, we're not going to find out everything. I mean, you got to get, we got to go through at least, I say, at least the first month, at least, to find out what kind of team because we got a whole bunch of guys that haven't played together, you know. So, and that, and unfortunately, we've had that a lot the last three years with, you know, with uh, bringing in, Bra- uh, uh, Bra- I want to say Brandon Miller, uh, our old coach, whatever his name, Number you know what I'm talking about. Bring him in and he, he brought guys in from, from the transfer portal and stuff like that. And now we had that again. But the good thing is, it I, I do like it that they're one of the older teams because I think that is more conducive to guys learning how to work together and play together because they are older, more mature. Hopefully, that uh, the the gel the gel factor will will come together uh, much quicker or much quicker, much more quick than we think. I think it's going to be. Yeah. If I can figure yeah, out and I, the I, words together. <laughs> I'm with you there. Uh, when it comes to the college basketball landscape, it was completely changed by the advent of the quick transfer. The you get to transfer and your one your first time that you do it, you don't have to set out a year. So the transfer portal basically became college free agency. And because of that, you can be a brand new coach at a brand new school and compete now if you are a good salesman and you can get some good transfers coming in. And I think that's really what Wes Miller tried to do. He's like, I'm not going to sit on my hands and be like, wait for me to get some good recruits. It's like, we're going to win now. And I'm also going to try and build for the future at the same time. And I admire that uh, kind of aggressiveness. I'm losing words too, man. I don't know what's going on. Uh, maybe I need a beer or something. But, yeah, yeah. I think it's my problem. <laughs> but I admire that kind of tenacity. That's the yes. word. The tenacity of that mindset. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this dude coaches game in and game out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, he's going to have to to get it going pretty quick as far as recruiting goes. Because and we what we think is we think 2023 is what I've heard is when we uh, possibly could be going to the Big 12, but nobody knows for sure yet. But it's going to happen quick, so he's going to have to ramp it up. And everybody's excited about the the Big Twelve football. Big Twelve basketball is no joke. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if everybody enjoyed uh, the Bearcats being in the, in the Big East back in the day in basketball, well, we're back at a conference like that. So th- this is no joke. So we're what I'm hoping is once we get to to this, the basketball team has that at a level where it can can compete in the Big Twelve. Because right now, I'm like I said, I'm not saying we're not. I have no idea. I haven't seen the guys play. Most likely not, but because, you know, Big 12 and AAC are, are a little different. And like I said, for West Miller, just coming in for his first year. But I just don't want to happen what happened last time. Last time, everybody kept saying Bob Huggins couldn't coach. Bob Huggins couldn't do this, yada, yada, yada. He's in a terrible conference. I'm like, all right, cool. We'll find out he's going to get the Big East. Well, that happened like three months before then. They fired him. I'm like, oh, crap. Right. So that, <laughs> and then we went for, you know, what, five years or whatever for however long it took Mick to, to get the program back together. So I'm hoping that West can get it going. So it's hopefully it's rolling by the time we roll into the Big 12 and we can dominate in, in football and basketball. I'm not honestly, I'm not too worried about football. Long as Luke Fickle stays here. And for and I know I've said it, I've said it before. I'm a little bit worried about the LSU job, but 
from somebody I know who is in a is in the know of people at LSU. Don't think they're going to get Luke Fickle because he kind of told him to kick rocks. So I think Luke's staying. I was a little more worried until I heard that, but we'll see what happens. I I I don't foresee him leaving for LSU. I think he's basically positioned himself. And, and not necessarily coming out and saying it, but it just seems that when you eliminate everything else that he has turned down, he's basically saying, unless Ohio State comes open, I'm not leaving. And I think that's the optimist side of me is saying that, but I yeah. think that's there's also some truth to that. I, I, I think that he has made it, and especially UC going to the Big 12 has made it, so that UC is actually a pretty good job to have, and that he's really got to take a step up. Like people were talking about different jobs over the past year, like Mississippi state and things like that. He is that he's not interested in that. He is interested in the tippy top. Like right. if Nick Saban were to retire tomorrow, that's what I'd worry about. I wouldn't worry about LSU. And I, I think that the way that they treated Ed Orgeron, say what you will about Ed Orgeron. I think that being only two years removed from a national championship, Luke fickle looks at that and be like, well, what the heck do you got to do? Like, right. Exactly. He just won the championship a couple of years ago and you're already firing the guy. So uh, I, I think that he is, I don't think that that's something that's going to pull him away. And from the, and kind of going back to Wes Miller too, for a minute, uh, people that I've talked about or people that I've talked to who have been around Wes Miller since he's gotten here, are like, dude, this guy is a rock star. Mm-hmm. And I think fans are really going to gravitate toward him from his personality and the way that he's going to coach the team and, I, I'm with you. You're talking about a Big 12 that when they get into that, I mean, what what sounds better? UC is up against Memphis and whatever <laughs> Memphis arena is called here okay. in the middle of February right. with the conference on the line. Or UC is in Fog Allen Field Woo! against oh, the dude. Kansas Jayhawks Hell yeah. for a chance at the Big 12 title. I know what sounds better. It's that I, second one. Well, I, 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 I like your big, big movie man uh, vo- voiceover voice. There. That, was, <laughs> that was that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but uh, one thing, one thing, I'll, I'll roll back to, to Luke and and one of the guys at work has told me, and I completely disagree with this. He's been talking to me. He's like, oh, I think Luke Figo is going to be completely frustrated, and, and he's going to try to get out and go go to SEC or something like that and try to win because he says he'll have a better chance to win. I said, how? I'm like, he's going to go to the Big Twelve. He said, "Well, if Luke Fickle can recruit like he can recruit, he's gonna he's gonna do really well at LSU." I said, "Right, but if he can recruit like that in the Big Twelve, where he could be the big dog, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna have a clear path to the national championship or to the, to the playoffs." That's where I'm like, "How many years has, has Oklahoma went?" I mean, honestly, from the Big Twelve since college football playoff has started, I think Oklahoma's the only one that's ever been in there from the Big Twelve. I don't think I know Texas hasn't been in there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you jump in there and you replace Oklahoma. You got a straight pass to it, path to it. So that's another reason. I'm like, he's not going to just leave. And I don't. I mean, now, if they go out and offer him, yeah, you know, ten million dollars a year or something, I, I, that's hard to turn down <laughs> I, for anybody. Right. That's the thing. Like he he's positioned himself to the point where it's like a school is going to have to overpay to the point that it doesn't make sense for them to overpay. Right. And I also think that there's there's a, there's talk and then kind of rumors about the fact that his wife is super like roots down in Cincinnati and loves Cincinnati and is like, we ain't leaving We're we're staying right here. Mm -hmm. And 
whether or not it's not as if you could go and ask him that, but whether or not that's yeah. true, I mean that that's a good thing for us Bearcats fans. Right. And I, I I think that he is going to be excited about the prospects. I've heard that too. I've heard the whole well, if they don't make the playoff, he's going to be frustrated and leave. He could have done that for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, and he exactly. hasn't. He I could, don't he think could've... this year changes that. Yeah, he could have left and went to Michigan State, and you know if he's doing what Michigan State's doing, he would have been in the you know play, or at least in the top four. He's not; they're not going to be tonight, but you know they would have no. been. That's where I, that's where I'm like I just I, I I'm with you. I mean I I, I always have to have the back of my mind that you know he's the chance he can always leave because they always leave. But I hope they won't. I think we have the best we have the best chance of keeping Luke as, as our head football coach that we've had probably ever because of the Big Twelve. I mean I'll just put it out there because of that. That's that is a huge get for the school. And I mean the Bearcats have been working their ass off. I know to get out of the American Conference and. And we thought it was going to happen a couple of years ago. We thought the Big 12 was going to expand. And then for some reason, they decided not to. And I'll never understand why they only want to stay with 10 teams. And I didn't – I mean, that made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. But I, I I think moving forward with the, with the teams that they got coming in with with us in Central Florida and BYU, I think these these schools are on the rise uh, to, to make uh, bigger jumps. Uh, to be honest, make a jump to where we are. And I mean, Central Florida has done it before. So they, they know what it takes to, to to get there and to be a competitive football, a, a big-time football program. So I do, I do think the Big 12 is going to be fine. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a lot like, I think, the ACC. I mean, to be honest, like this year, the ACC has no shot of get, getting into the college football playoffs. They don't have a team. I mean, that, especially now that Wake Forest is not undefeated anymore, which, eh, Wake Forest never really had a shot, I don't think. But that's where I think that the Big 12 moving forward is going to be. And the SEC, that's what I keep telling everybody. It's like, why is everybody in such a big hurry to go to the SEC? You're just making it harder. I mean, I understand money. I know, and that's what it all is. It's money. But if you're going there to win, you're making it harder on yourselves. Just ask Vanderbilt. Right, exactly. <laughs> Vanderbilt does not need to be in the SEC. <laughs> or Missouri. Missouri's like like a step above Vanderbilt, but by step I mean like a little tiny step. Yeah, yeah. Missouri. What they, what they what score? What six points or whatever against yeah. Georgia or something like that? Like, oh my goodness, it was ridiculous. They're awful. All right, man. Well, we have to get into this this part. We don't really want to, but <sighs> let's talk about the Reds and what their plan, so-called plan is. I mean, uh, they made a trade for Tucker Barnhart or traded Tucker Barnhart, and they got absolutely nothing for him. Um, they couldn't trade Wade Miley, which I don't know why in the world you'd want to trade our most consistent starter. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And you release him, and he goes to the Cubs, so you get to face him now. That was a brilliant move. Um, everything that uh, Nick Crawl has said to me is we're not spending any money. We're going to build from within. Okay. Well, if you build from within, you got Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. And who else? <laughs> you got a lot more holes on this team to fill. What are they trying to do? Save money. <laughs> yep, that's and- it. Yeah, I and I saw uh, somebody somebody took like one of those season ticket uh, banners and, and put uh, we are realign realigning payroll on there, you know, <laughs> instead of like new Reds or you know get excited we're gonna make a playoff run. It's like no, we're we, we're realigning payroll. And the fact that they're saying this so early on in the off season, it's just they first of all they tipped their hand to other teams, not only tipped their hand to fans and really kind of got us all on edge but they tipped their hand to other teams that's why right. tucker barnhart got traded for nothing barely i mean 
I've talked to people about Nick Quintana. Whatever. He's yeah. probably a hey, utility player in the future. Well, the, the guy the guy from Locked on Tigers, I think you had on your podcast, said he he's a, a, a not a very consistent hitter, but he, he has a great eye. He just doesn't right. swing at anything. <laughs> right. Pretty much what I got from what he said on, on when he had you had him on your show. And and when he does swing at it, he doesn't have very good contacts. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so that's not like, a that's not a good combination there. <laughs> right. So you're like, all right, so we kind of threw Tucker to Detroit. I get it. They're saving money. And then the Wade Miley thing. So they put him on waivers, which is essentially just a way of checking to see if anybody will take his contract off your hands, take his option of off your hands. He's, he's not that, he's not that expensive com, com, to the production he did last year. Sorry. I'm not trying right. to interrupt your cut. <laughs> well, and, and the Dodgers just signed Andrew Heaney, which if you haven't heard of him, it's because he pitched for the angels and he had an ERA above five and a half. And they just signed him to a one year, eight and a half million dollar deal. He's making $1.5 million less than Wade Miley and Wade <laughs> Miley threw no header last year. And he pitched amazing. So I, I, I don't know. And I saw in uh, the athletic Ken Rosenthal wrote about this and he's just like, I don't know why the reds didn't think, that they could pick up his option and then wait till spring training and try and trade him then because right. there'd be plenty of suitors because the market would have dried up for the free agents and they would have been able to make something out of it. But I just don't understand why they had to hand him. They literally hand it. Like yep. we talk about how terrible the deal was of trading Rice Iglesias for Noe Ramirez and then Noe Ramirez. We just gave him back to the angels anyway. Right. They literally didn't even get somebody back in this one. They were just like, here, here Make sure we don't have to pay a million dollars. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I was like, I, I, like, uh, I mean, I uh, we we can get into more stuff here, but uh, uh, Royal Flush Terry says I feel like uh, Luis Castillo will get traded for peanuts, and that's that's the other thing is they're talking about trading him now. I'm like, what you talk about trading him last year? I mean, I think they're gonna trade him. They might trade Sonny Gray. I'm like, what uh, what what the hell are they doing? And and, and I, I put this statement out on Twitter, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I'm, it's it's true. It's how I feel. If they're not willing to spend their money, then why should I spend mine? You know, and that's I mean, the big I, question. Right. I mean, and and look at when you win. This is what drives me nuts with the Reds and, and 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 pro teams in general. When you win, we'll show up. Look, look at the Bearcats. Look how many people showed up for game day. They were there at five in the morning till seven or eight o'clock at night. Like, get out of here. I mean, it's I don't I don't get it. Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. It's like win, and then your budget kind of helps itself. You don't have to worry about budgets and payrolls right. and things like that. Just win, baby. But when I, 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 I will never. And and look, I am completely addicted and stuck, and just there. There's something broke in my brain. I will always make my way to Great American Ballpark. I will always turn the television on to watch Reds games. I'll watch but them. I might not I, go. But I'll watch them. <laughs> right, but I will never disparage anybody for making the decision not to, no. because I understand the management and the ownership of this ball club are more worried about the checkbook than they are about the wins and loss columns. It's just absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's a kerfuffle. I, I don't know. I, I look at this and when you're talking about trading Castillo, there are uh, rumors and there are plenty of reports that the reds are listening to trade offers. What I hope is this. I hope they wait until the CBA is figured out because, and I talked about this on today's podcast, they, are in a scenario right now where there's a ticking clock. Mm -hmm. All teams 
know that on December the 1st, the CBA expires. And unless a miracle happens, it's going to expire and there's going to be some form of a lockout. Now, people differ on how substantial this lockout may end up being, but they all agree that there will be one. And when a lockout happens, everything freezes. There's no free agent deals. There's no trades. You can have, you know, conversations about possible deals once the lockout lifts, but those are fruitless based on the fact that the CBA is in flux. And there may be some kind of loophole that a team can take advantage of. There might be some kind of loophole that a player can take advantage of. So there's nothing really concrete that happens. So with all of that, if you trade before that, I don't know too many teams right now that are want to add payroll that are want to just go out and send prospects to a team for a guy that the other team deems too expensive. There's going to be this weird business side of things of baseball, the side that we all hate me included, that is going to take over for the next month or so that if you make a trade right now, the only thing that you're going to get in a positive is the fact that you save money on that player's payroll. Right. There's not going to be a scenario where the Reds make a Luis Castillo trade between now and December the 1st that we all look at and go, hmm, okay, okay, I right. like that. I think I right. think that'll work. No, that's not going to happen. Well, the thing is, with, with, with what Ken Rutherford said, and you said this on your podcast too, why did the Reds have to do it right now? They right. traded Tucker Barnhart the day after the World Series. The day after. Like, why are they in such a hurry? Because, like you said, if it goes to a lockout, which we all think it will, correct me if I'm wrong, but the players don't get paid then either, right? Right. Yeah. So, what? What is? What is? What is the hurry? What? Why did you have to hurry up and get rid of Wade? By why did you have to hurry up and, wait and get rid of Tucker Barnhart? Why couldn't you just waited to see what happens? I mean, because these are. Well, I mean, you got two guys that were in the, the no hitter, your backstop and your starting pitcher. They were the reason they had a no hitter. Well, and I will say about that, they do. They would have had to make a decision whether to decline or pick up the option, which means that after the lockout or something like that, they would have had to commit that money yeah. to whichever direction they chose. So they were doing their best to make sure that they didn't have to choose. Well, it was like, well, like, like you said, they, they could have traded these guys later. It, it wasn't like it was that much more money that, oh, my God, that you're paying Wade Miley that much? Oh, we're not going to trade you for for him. Right. And, and I appreciate too, what C Trent said, like C Trent, like gave Wade Miley's stat line. He's like, that's worth well more than $10 million. Right. I don't know why they're worried about paying him $10 million. It's right. just, it didn't I don't know sense. what they're doing. doesn't make sense to me. And the only way, and I said this too, the only silver lining I see in any of this, when it comes to Wade Miley leaving is that Nick crawl said, that in spring training, Nick Ladello and Hunter Green will be competing for spots in the rotation. That's what he said. Now, to what extent, how legitimate, and what uh, what is that tryout actually going to look like? That remains to be seen, but at least he said the right things. Now, he said last offseason they were going to go get a shortstop. Yeah, and they he, also, so, he also said they, they were going to reallocate the money, and they didn't. Exactly. <laughs> well, so I don't we'll believe see. anything he says, to be honest. <laughs> All right, Terry wants to know, and this actually is a good question, because I, I think he's a free agent, but is a Farmer a trade-away asset? He said, or is he a free agent? He is not a free agent. Um, he's got he's got one more year of arbitration, I believe is what it is. He's due a raise, is basically well, what it boils down to. If, if he's due a raise, they'll trade him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be like, man, it 
could you imagine if the company you work for was just like, yeah, you're getting a raise. We're going to, there, there's a place down in um, West Virginia. I think they need somebody. We're trading you down there. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. That would be annoying, but that's yeah. basically where we're at. Yeah. I, is he a tradable asset? I think so, but to what extent and how much it would help the Reds this coming season? I don't think. Very I mean, much. if you just flat out release Wade Miley, your best starting pitcher, and you got <laughs> barely anything for a Gold Glove catcher, you're not gonna. They're, they're going to just give away Farmer. I mean, and, and I think Farmer is. I, I mean, I think he can be an everyday shortstop. I think he, he proved that last year. But a guy off your bench, he's unbelievable because he can literally play everywhere. And I, I think that's him. yeah. Okay. And and I think that's where most teams probably value him mm-hmm. if they're looking to trade for him. Right. Because I, I think most major league teams that are at least savvy enough to do stuff like this kind of view it as when you have a fantasy football team, like you're looking to trade, but you completely overvalue the guy that you're trading away. I think a lot of teams do that anyway. And so the other teams have to look for diamonds in the rough when it comes to trades and things like that, unless it's just this ultimate blockbuster deal. Right. So when you're talking about trading Kyle Farmer, what we think the value is of Kyle Farmer in a trade probably deduct about 20 to 30% of what that actually is. And that's right. what we're going to end up seeing the Reds get in a trade for him because other teams just don't view him as an everyday shortstop. They view him as a super utility player, which I think is where his best value right. is. So I think that the best version of Kyle Farmer is as a Red and not as a trade asset. Yeah, exactly, which I hope they keep them, but we'll see. Uh, Jeff Holmes here says, what the Reds seem like they are trying to do is hopefully win a bunch a bunch of talent to young players who make it close to league minimum. That's where they're heading, which, I mean, I'm I'm okay if they were if they were major league talent. Oh, we don't have, like, like, the Rays. I'll give it to the Tampa Bay Rays. They do this every year. They'll, they'll, they keep cranking out and cranking out guys to, that, that are major league talented ready you can do that the way they do it it works the reds like i said other than nick lodolo and, and hunter green there's not a whole lot of, in, in the triple a level i mean double a single a there's talent down there but that's not going to help us this year that's where i'm like nick carl wants to build from within and get a young team i think like, okay but then by the time we get these guys up here, Jesse Winker costs too much money. If we still have Luis Castillo, he'll cost too much money. Jonathan India, who's probably going to win the rookie of the year, will cost too much money. I mean, where does it end? And that's what I was so excited about in 2019 and in 2020, the offseasons. We were adding pieces. We added a lot. We had, In 2020, we probably added more than we needed to. But to go from that to turn the faucet completely off and, and looking like you have no direction, uh, I mean, I, they have a direction. I don't like their direction. <laughs> I think it's a rebuild and it's going to take us a couple of years to get it. Now we already went through five years of rebuild. We got what? Two years out of this. A semi good baseball. That yeah. sucks, Jeff. It's terrible. <laughs> and, no. and they told us to wait for so right. long. They're like, please wait, please wait. We'll, we'll be good. Please wait. And what do we get? We got a quasi playoff appearance and uh, missing the playoffs the next year. Yeah. It's, it, it's evident to me that the reason that Dick Williams left is because he was doing this number where he was just like trying to acquire and figure out wherever he could find talent and get talent here and acquire talent here. He was also over here, stiff army management, like, no, stay out of here. I got this. You got to trust me on this one. All right. Yeah. Come on over. Nope. Nope. Stop. It's we'll make it work. We'll make it work. And he got tired of doing that. Yeah. 
and it's it's no knock on Nick Crawl whatsoever. Wow. But when he was promoted, it was very obvious that the mandate was we're cutting payroll and you're going to follow our plan. And he's like, I'm happy with this promotion. I will do that. Yeah. And that's that, that's understand. It's totally understandable. If you were if, if someone was to come to you at work and say, we are giving you this awesome promotion, big bump up and pay, but you got to follow our directions. You're probably going to follow their directions. That's just <laughs> the way that that works in the corporate world. So when I look at what Dick Williams did and what Nick crawl did and how this team has changed, I just say, thank you, Dick yeah. Williams. I really appreciate yeah, it exactly. because now, well, what does the future look like? It, it, the next move will be so telling Jeff. It'll be so telling. Yeah. I, 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 I think the next move is a trade and away somebody for nothing again. <laughs> I we'll surely see. hope not. Cause I yeah. hope not, but yeah. now, <laughs> Crown Apple Kid here is a huge Hunter Green fan. He's been, and I've talked about him on, on the show with you before, and he's wanted us to bring Hunter Green up in April last year. <laughs> I kept telling him, I said, he's not ready yet. I said, he's got to get more pitches. So, now that Hunter Green will be competing for a spot, and most I think most likely will be on the team next year. How good do you think Hunter Green will be in his, in his rookie year? I think his rookie year, he's going to be probably a little bit better than Vladimir Gutierrez. Um, he's definitely got better stuff than Goody does, but I think like the stat line, you'll probably see green struggle a little bit simply because he had a little bit of higher than normal walk rate Mm -hmm. in triple a, it was something that he was fine with in double a, but once he got to triple a and guys waited on his fastball a little bit and dared him to throw his secondary stuff, that's when he got into a little bit of issue. So I'm sure that this off season, he's going to be working on that secondary pitch and, you know, his slider and his changeup and things like that, because the fastball is beautiful. The fastball right. is polished. It is amazing. It is very fast, but if a, a hitter knows that he can lay off that, or if he can time it, which major league hitters can do, mm-hmm. then they're going to either wait on the breaking stuff and draw a walk, or they're going to time that fastball perfectly and start hitting it all over the yard. So I think that there's going to be some growing pains once he comes up. There's going to be some very nice starts, but I kind of think like, you know, probably around a four ERA. So when when people see that number four and they think, oh, he's a bust, he's not. He's just a rookie and he's working through some stuff and he's going to have high strikeout numbers, but you're probably going to look at the walk total and be like, yeah, that could come down, I think. But I, I definitely am excited to see him pitch because i really hope that they aren't just uh dragging us along here and stringing us <laughs> along as reds fans and, and they're yeah. actually going to give him a shot because i think he can win that spot out of spring training exactly uh we're a flush terry here he says uh moose which i agree with this moose is costing too much money to be a platoon third baseman there's almost a hundred a hundred at a f i think it means ab's at third base alone Piss poor financial management. And well, the thing is, Moose was brought in here to be a second baseman. <laughs> that's what yeah. That's what he was supposed to be. What screwed that all up was Jonathan India coming in here and balling out and most likely being the, the rookie of the year. And I, I talk about this on multiple occasions here on the show. We got two third basemen that uh, right now are probably below average third baseman, if you ask me. And, and, and I, lo- I love both of them, but they got to step up. But the thing is, though, Say they both actually start hitting and Moose actually starts staying healthy. Worry, you, you can't. You, are you not going to platoon them? They're, you're spending too much money on both those to to make a platoon out of them. What do you think they're going to do with third base? Well, the good news is ninety nine percent of people who are close to the situation are thinking the DH is coming to the NL. 
mm-hmm. which will solve a lot of problems when it comes to Moose and his playing time and things like that. It's interesting because you do think of it, obviously, lefty-righty. You think of it as a platoon, but Gino was actually better at hitting right-handed pitching than he was at hitting left-handed pitching last year, which is saying something because he wasn't really good at hitting either, but he <laughs> right. was really good at hitting right-handed pitching compared to lefty. So you almost wonder if they're going to think about that because obviously they're going to bank on September. There's no way they're going to be able to trade him and get any sort of value recouped from a Eugenio Suarez's contract. So they could just got to hope that September becomes 2023 and he hits like the middle of the order. Gino, we thought he could be right when it comes to moose. He just got to stay healthy. Yeah. He's been so injured mm-hmm. so many times and been on the IL so much that I look at this and I say, if he's healthy, then we can evaluate him because to evaluate the stats that he's put up this past season is foolish because he was so on off playing for a very short amount of time than being on the IL for a long time that to say that we know anything about how he was playing in 2021. That's I I just, there's nothing that I could glean from that information. So a lot of it just has to deal with how healthy will he be. And unfortunately that's something that you can say about a couple of different guys on this roster. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. One, uh, one, one last question here and I'll let you get out of here. I appreciate you giving me almost an hour. Crown wants to know again. He's on a green Lodolo. He said, "Who who's going to be better? I have I have no idea which one would be better. I think they both could be to be very. I mean, my my opinion, Green has the potential to be better, but Lodolo is. I think his. I think Lodolo's control is better than Green's is right now. I think, um, in terms of like, kind of like when you talk about like a fantasy player, and you're like, uh, you know where's the floor at? Where's the ceiling at for a player? I think that Hunter Green has a much higher ceiling. Mm-hmm than Nick Lodello does. Mm-hmm. I think that career-wise, you, you'll compare the two, and Hunter Green will have a better career. I think the floor already for Nick Lodello is much higher than Hunter Green. I think that Hunter Hunter Green might actually have not as impressive. Now, he'll have more strikeouts, but the other numbers won't look as impressive as Nick Lodello's first season. I think if you were to give them both a full slate of starts, their rookie season – Nick Lodello would have better numbers, but year two, year three, year four, you right. see Hunter Green create that gap because right. Hunter Green is more talented than Nick Lodello. It's just Hunter. It's just that Nick Lodello is far more polished right mm-hmm. now, right? Than Hunter Green is. That's a perfect way to say it. Let's end it on that note. Uh, like I said, tell everybody about your podcast and uh, all Bearcats and all that stuff again. And I'll let you get on out of here. Yeah, man, Jeff, I appreciate you having me. You can follow Locked On Reds on YouTube every single day or on your favorite podcasting app and a quick tease as well. Tomorrow we will have Lucas Sims on the podcast, although it'll be the audio only version. It'll be a different YouTube uh, podcast simply because couldn't get the video uh, synced up, but we got a great audio podcast. We talk about that amazing game on April 20th, whenever it was sleeting and the umpires were like, nah, you can still pitch. <laughs> yeah, keep throwing and, the ball. Uh, They're wet. That ball's <laughs> wet. They're all wet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that that'll be it's it's a lot of fun and uh it, it, it's a good chat so you're not going to miss that and then allbearcats.com it's just like that that's the url we got all kind of great coverage whether it comes to football or basketball and it's only going to get better from here because we literally just started uh, i think we went live thursday night so yeah, we're not Jan, even a week Jan old Jan was actually on my show and, and, and whatever day i think it was thursday and he goes we literally just started this today i said cool yeah. <laughs> We're, we're still kicking, still getting our feet wet, but it's going to be awesome. 
Absolutely. Well, Jeff, as always, I appreciate you coming on. It's always a blast. And well, at least when you come on now, we can talk about the Bearcats and, and not not the Reds every single time, but we still got to talk about the Reds. I love I like and I love the Reds. I just they're just frustrating. <laughs> like it's like I tweeted out the other day. I will not wear any Reds items until the Reds actually make an acquisition that will help them win more games this upcoming season. You might not be I'm winning. with you. I'm mad. You might not I be love. wearing any. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Take it easy, man. See you, Jeff. See ya. All right, guys. I hope you enjoy that. Jeff Carr is a great follow. Go follow my Twitter. I guess they go check him out on Locked On Reds. And uh, he's writing for all Bearcats. I keep saying we need to have a Locked On Bearcats. That's what I, that's what I want next. I want, I want to get a, a Locked On Bearcats. Hopefully that'll hopefully that's in the work. So uh, change your peen if you have anything to do with that. If you're, if you're out there, uh, listen. Give me a Locked On Bearcats. We need that. We need more good Bearcat content. Anyway, let's uh, get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They're Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. I hope to be pulling the sound off later on tonight and putting it on the podcast. I'm having issues. Um, for some reason, I, I don't know what's going on. I haven't been able to, to download last night's and put it up on the podcast. For you, for those of you who like listening to the podcast, I appreciate you guys. I'm trying to get them up there. Like I said, I'm having issues. I'll find out, try to figure it out. But if it's on the podcast, which hopefully it will be, it's on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Give me a five-star review. Leave a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. YouTubers, we're at 1,416 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. And hold on, I got to get this. Yes, Crown, I am in contact with Terry. Terry will be on the show here, hopefully hopefully next week. So, yes, I'm working working with Terry to try to get – Try to get him on the show. So that's that's my boy. Uh, so Terry, don't just keep watching the show every day. Terry will be on here, like I said, hopefully next week. Actually, um, Thursday, I have Alex Meacham on the show. So we're trying to do, since the Bengals are, you know, it's bye week, we're trying to do a lot of uh, Bearcat content because I don't get to do a lot of Bearcat content. Well, it's hard. Like I can get a, a lot of Bengal content on here. I got a lot of guys that, that I have relationships with the Bengals and doing Bengal podcasts and, and writing articles and stuff like that. They're willing to come on the show. I don't have as many with the Bearcats. I'm working on that, but uh, Alex Beach is going to be on. He has a great podcast uh, and it's going to be a, a great, great dude to have on Thursday. So we'll be talking about more Bearcats and as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag, these nuts likes to say, remember one thing and one thing only, and that is, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. Who day? Let's go watch the Bearcats. They're going to start here in about a half an hour. Hopefully my ESPN Plus will work. And the beginning of the Wes Miller era will have begun. It'll be officially Miller time, even though I'm a Bud Light fan. <laughs> you guys have a great evening. I'll see you tomorrow. And that's just sports, baby. See ya! <laughs>
earthquake, or it's black and white. Cause when the jungle come alive, who they we ignite in us? Cincinnati, we gon' rise in us. In the jungle, we unite in us. Dripping orange and black and white. Who they when we fight? Live and die in these stripes. Wake up the feast, every damn day is a feast. Time to bust it off the leash. In the jungle, dripping heat. Tigers strike the city streets. East side, stand up. West side, stand up. If you Cincinnati jungle fitted, who they in our house we win it. Orange and black and white we build it. Earn our stripes, you know we kill it. Bleed our colors, jungle dripping. Nasty natty, yeah we live it. Lit the crowd, hit the city loud. Yeah we feasting now, fit the bounce, make the city howl. Now we beastin' now. Thunder through the tunnel, from the sideline to the huddle. Stripes we tatted on the jungle when we flex that. Who they muscle on? Cincinnati we gon' rise in the in the jungle we. Who they rockin' with the diamond stripes Flossin' on the wings Cincinnati, she's our queen